three disciples. Let me give you another example. And, and we'll read our Bible here in just a minute, okay? We're going to talk about the second one. But like, think about being in school. Maybe some of you saw this in school. I saw this in college a little bit. Uh, when I went to college, then you didn't see it very often, but sometimes people can come and attend the college class, but not be enrolled as a student or anything like that. They're just like auditing. And so there was times where, not that often, but every now and then you have somebody's coming to the class and they're just there. They're auditing. auditing. Uh, there may have been a cost for that. I don't know. But they're just sitting in. They're listening. And at the end of the course, they're not, it's, it's just mental benefit to them. There's no collegiate benefit on paper. They just audited the course. And then you have people who, they're enrolled. They are a student. But that's about it. They may not show up. They may not do all the work. And they may barely get by or, get, or fail. But they were enrolled as a student, and they even paid for it. And then you have others who, they're in, they're a student, and they're studious. And they get through it, and they do what you're supposed to do. That's kind of like what you see here. You see people who are following Jesus. They're just auditing. There's a passage in John 6 where people keep following Jesus. They're getting bread. They're liking this. This is cool. They're eating. They like, the, they like the benefits. And then after a while, Jesus teaches some things, and they're just like, I'm not coming to class anymore. I don't like this yeah. guy. What are you talking about? And basically, Jesus said some things doctrinally that were hard, and he added, and, and they were called disciples. And I'm not just talking about a Judas, but greater. He said to them, some of you, referring to you disciples, haven't even believed. Some of you believe not. And then after a while, a hand, who knows how, what number, a number of them said, what's he talking about this other, and it was here they're referring to another teaching. Oh, this is hard. We, we don't, this is a hard saying. Who can understand this saying? He's talking about being my bread is, my, my, my blood is drink and my flesh is bread. What's he we're not going to follow this guy. And they leave. They, th- they probably thought, man, that was some good bread, though. You know? yes. And they leave. And the, the benefit they got was just some bread and some pleasantness. And then they got offended. And they walked away. And Jesus basically said, he's basically saying, ha- they weren't real in the first place. They were never really enrolled as a student in the first place. They're just auditing. And then Jesus deals with others who are saved, they're attached to him, and he says, are you going to continue on? You're, believe me, are you going to be the student that continues on? And that's what we're looking at today in John 8. Believers, who are they? They are believers who need to be discipled. And you kind of should do that your whole life. Okay, so John 8, it's somebody who, they're not just that they're just students, but they're students who need to say, all right, I'm going to follow this master. Now, I'm going to ask you, I'm not just saying all this so that we can be fancied by what the Bible's saying. Let's talk about ourselves. What really, okay, what really am I? I was thinking about this. Am I really a disciple? Are we disciples by God's definition? By the Lord Jesus Christ's definition? Are we really disciples or are we just attendees? And so let's notice here, John 8, 
Jesus, this is a long chapter. We're not going to read all of it. It's going to be a little section here. And um, he had just exhibited grace and forgiveness and to this woman taken in adultery. And let's just read verses 20 to 32. John 8, verses 20 to 32. And this is a dialogue here he's having with some of them. These words, verse 20, spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, Look at it again, we're in John 8, verse 21, look at this. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he saith, whither I go, ye cannot come. And he saith unto them, ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? Jesus saith unto them, even from the same from the, that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. So up to this point, let's just stop a second. Besides the 12 disciples, Judas was a fake, but besides them, this group was not really, they weren't believers yet. They're just listening to some of what he's saying. What? what you, you know? And then here pretty soon, a, a segment of them are going to be like, I believe you. So here we go. Verse 27, they understood up to this point. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father of this relationship. Verse 28, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Now somehow this became a clincher, because notice verse 30, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Not all, but many of that group believed on him. Then, verse 31, said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The rest of it talks about the ones who didn't believe and they fuss with him a little bit. Let's read verse 31 and 32 together. That's kind of the central part of our message here. Verse 31 and 32, let's read it together, begin. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's really, that's cool. Again, that shows me the idea that the word disciple can be used loosely for just the follower, the student, may or may not be a believer, or it can be used truly. A disciple, indeed. In truth, you're following me. In truth, you're continuing. 
Okay, notice if you continue. Let's just talk about this for a little bit. I do have a lot of points. I might just make it a two-part message. Notice what he says, to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word. I'm going to give an example that you've, this is just me, so you, get, you know, some of you have been here a while, you're getting, you've already gotten used to this. Um, being um, raised as a son of a body man and painter, my dad gave me the option to do that. My dad started out doing paint and body work in his garage, actually on a patio garage in East Mesa for a short time. And then in Mesa over here, and the fire department didn't like that. <clears throat> so that forced him to get a shop. And he did. And across the street from the skate land in Mesa by Center Street and Southern, that was the first shop. So dad did a shop, did side work. After work, after he left General Motors Proving Grounds every day, he went down and did side work to help supplement income. Maybe it was buy more ammo because he liked shooting at the time too. Huh? Yeah. Anyway, so dad, but I remember dad said, my dad came home. I remember this in 1988, September of 1988. I was playing out front and um, it's like dad for several weeks had been getting home late because he just got this shop he was renting. This is actually just a garage at the end of a series of garages, stalls. And uh, he was getting home late all the time. It was like, it was different than dad coming home from work and doing a little bit of work in the garage and going in and eating dinner with us. He was getting home late. And so I remember the, the house next door at the time had grass and I was wrestling with a friend or neighbor kid. We were just wrestling around in the yard and the sun, I mean, this is September, the sun still stays out a little bit, but the sun was already kind of gone down. It may have been 9 o'clock, I don't know. And uh, I remember Dad pulling up to the driveway and parking, and it was like, oh, boy, it's another night, Dad getting home late. And he gets out, and I get up from wrestling all sweaty and grass on me, and he, come, and he says, you're coming with me to work tomorrow. It's like, all right. <laughs> I needed that. By the way, kid, boys, especially that age, they need to be well occupied. You know, idleness is the devil's workshop, right? That's what they say. So I was like, okay. And so starting then, uh, a few hours every day after work, pardon me, a few hours every day after school, beginning in, for me in ninth grade, beginning of ninth grade, a few hours every day, then it became five days a week, sometimes six. For almost 20 years, I worked with him. And dad made me a disciple in the realm of paint and body work. And um, I remember then I became, you know, one of the managers or whatever. We were still small. Dad didn't have to worry as much about the happenings of the shop. The shop grew. We moved to a different location. And then I remember Dad and I were kind of would coordinate hiring guys to work for us. And sometimes we'd hire guys. They'd come and they'd work just for, you know, the summer. And they'd tell us that. Well, I'm just working for the summer. I'm going back to college or going back to high school. Okay. Other guys are like, yeah, man. Yeah, I want to work and do some, do some cool stuff on hot rods, man. All right, then go, go sweep that floor. Then let's get started, you know. Uh, hot rods don't start on just work polishing an already finished hot rod. So anyways, we'd have guys come. I remember a guy went to EVIT, East Valley Institute of Technology, which is a fine school. My son went there for a little bit. And he was trained in all this stuff. And, but he came to work for us. We had a couple of them. He came to work for us. And I remember him coming. I'm like, oh, look, I'm glad you've already done some of this a little bit. But when you work for us, this is what, here's what we're going to do when we do 
that uh, dent repair or that sanding or that paint prep. And I had to show him each thing of how we did it. And he really didn't want to listen. And he just kind of wanted, wanted to kind of do it his own way. And um, he didn't really last that long. I can't remember if we fired him or if he just left. I can't remember, but he didn't last that long. There are some people that we had kind of two different types of employees. This is where I'm going. And sometimes guys would want to work, and they would want to come, and we'd put them on the roll, we'd pay them, but they really wouldn't do what we said. And then after a while, they'd just be like, ah, whatever, and they'd go their way, you know? And then we had the Ivan Sandoval, who's now... He's in Spanish ministry. And I'm telling you, I remember this. When he came, he was like 19. And he came, no citizenship at the time. Now he is. He, didn't, he was brought over here. Worked for us. And I remember him first few weeks coming. He, you know, he wanted to work. And so I, I literally told him stuff like this. Um, we have some door hinges over here. I, here's a scotch Bright pad, and I just need you to go scratch them up and take the blower and blow them off and set them over here on this clean uh, table over here. And, and you scratch every part of every, every square inch of that surface. Blow it off and set it over here. That's what you're going to do. Okay? And it's meticulous scotch brighting a, a hinge. It's got all these angles. But we had to do that. We had to paint it clean to, for this restoration job. Okay, he did that, and I'd come do whatever I'm doing, and I'd come back, and I'm like, all right, good job. Okay, and then, all right, so then now we got to, and it'd be some stuff that's kind of like, Brother Adam's saying, it's kind of like little stuff in Meticulous, but he did exactly what we said, and he'd do exactly what we said pretty much every time. That, to me, was a test, because there's other times when I'd tell a guy, like, hey, you need to, um, you need to, you need to, this door jam, take a scuff pad, a scotch pad, and you scratch the whole inside of that door jam and blow it off and then take this cleaner and clean it off. And, and then I'd come and I'd go do my thing and I'd come back and I'm like, they'd be, oh, it's done, it's done, it's done, it's already done, it's done, it's done. I'm like, uh, no, it's not, it's not done. Yeah. I mean, this isn't hard. I, I see you didn't do that part, didn't do that part, and I know you didn't clean this part because it's still grease on there. So do it. Oh, no, just go back and do it. Oh, man, you know. And so sometimes little things, literally little things would be the clincher on some of this. And they'd be like, oh, whatever. Didn't want to do really every word of what I said. And either one of the, it would be pretty easy departure. We fire you or you would get tired of us being on you and you'd leave anyways. But the Miss Sandoval brother, now a brother, Ivan did what we said. And after a while, I'm sitting here transitioning out of dad's in my body shop realm. And I'm transitioning over here to being the pastor. And I'm in this transition phase. And, and I go on and become the pastor. And, and dad continues on with his hand fingerprints and stuff. Chance I may have even helped Ivan some. I don't know. But Dad took it from there, and Dad taught him more painting and refinishing and stuff that's more in the paint booth, and, and he took off, and then his brothers worked, at least one of them worked. And what, what I'm trying to say is you have a person who comes to a teacher, and he says, I want to follow, 
And the teacher says, it's basically like, if you really want to follow, then you have to do exactly what our word says, what we're really saying. And he followed every word. And he's a disciple indeed in the paint and body sense. Now he owns the shop. He changed the name and he's probably doing better than we. But he owns the shop. The difference between somebody who just is there, they may follow, they may not follow, they eventually leave, and somebody who takes every word and continues with it, that is a disciple indeed. And that's, what I'm trying to say is, what he was to the, his two bosses is what we need to be to Jesus. Jesus has got me in his company. I'm in his family. I'm already saved. And I could be a delinquent employee. I could be a bad boy. I could be a, a, a really a non-disciple and just be on this side and say, you want what? Uh, eh and go my way, or I could be like what Jesus is, this is what Jesus is actually saying. He's saying, let's not play with words. That's what he's saying. Disciple, disciple. If you want to be a disciple indeed, then keep going in the words that I'm saying. Finish the whole, the homework assignments. And continue in my word. That's what he says. If you continue in my word, you've already started the word, the word of salvation. Ah, that's the biggest one. But if you continue now uh, beyond the salvation, if you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples truly indeed. Now again, the rest of the passage talks about people who they fuss with Jesus, and I don't think they were the, that crowd that believed. They were the crowds like, they never really believed. But, these are, but the ones that believe, Jesus is challenging them to go on. So here's what I'm saying. We must be that one that continues on if I'm going to be a disciple. Okay, I want to just do a couple points here that I call it an A-B point. Notice in this text, let's just make a couple observations as we start to go into this text. First of all, there must be true belief. There can't be a real disciple unless there is true belief first. You can't have true discipleship till you have true belief. So again, verse 30, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Verse 31, then said those Jews, then said Jesus to those Jews, which believed. Right? So he's acknowledging somebody had faith in him. He's acknowledging they they put their faith in me. And he's not going to say, oh, you're not done. If you really, really want to be saved, then be a good, no, he's, this is, a, I believe it's fair to assume this is all saving faith. They've believed. If you continue my word, then you are my disciples indeed. What did they believe? Look what it says in verse 30. As he spake these words, many believed on him. So they believed a word. Well, what's kind of the context of his words here? Well, let's look at at least two things that stand out to me. They believed two things. They believed that their sins were a problem. And they needed to be dealt with. Look what he says. He really triggers some of them. Look at verse 21. Then This is his conversation before they believe. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way and ye shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Can you imagine somebody saying, you're going to die in your sins. 
And who? What? Huh? He's getting their attention. He's saying to the Jews, you're going to die in your sins. And they're like, wait a minute. Verse 22, the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, whether I go, you can't come. And he said unto them, verse 23, ye are of the, from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. Verse 24, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. By the way, a Christian dies in the grace of God. We die in the forgiveness, a state of being to totally forgiven of sins. When I'm saved, I won't die in my sins. I'm, I may die as a sinner technically, but I, God doesn't see me as dying in my sins. He sees me as dying as a forgiven sinner. But he's telling us, you're going to die in your sins. And they're like, whoa, huh? What? And so that, that got them thinking. People, that's a good point. Why would somebody believe on Jesus in the first place? People are compelled to truly have saving faith in Jesus because they see they have a problem and it's not that they can't pay their bill this month. It's that they really have a violation between them and God. Once a person sees that, then they're like, oh, okay. Whether I die of this cancer or not, whether I pay this bill, able to pay this bill or not, that's not my problem. My biggest problem is God. How can I not die in my sins? And so when a person realizes their sin is a problem, then they're open to the gospel that Jesus is the answer to a person's sin. So we're talking about these believers who, wanted to continue, who needed to continue his word. We're saying they are believers. What did they believe? Well, they believed their sin was a problem. And then the second observation is they believed that he is God's answer to that and that he's not just a man. They believed, they, according to the Jesus' uh, discussion here, that he wasn't just a man. Look, I love what it says in verse 23. Jesus talking to these guys. Some of them, it's already stirring them up a little bit. You're going to die in your sins unless you, think, unless you believe that I'm he. And then he says, you know, verse 23, ye are from beneath. I'm from above. Ye are of uh, this World, I'm not of this world. Verse 24, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Let's just, let's just stop a second. Just based on that last statement. By the way, listen to me. It does matter what a power person defines Jesus. Okay? It does matter when somebody says, oh, I believe in Jesus. You know, who, can you tell me a little bit about him? That matters according to Jesus. Because he says, unless you believe I am he, and he's, he's saying that I am referring to the one of God, the, in the, context, in the greater context, only begotten son of God. So it does matter what a person, that if a person says, I believe in Jesus, can you say, can you tell me which Jesus? So anyways, he says, so he says, I am, I am uh, unless you believe I'm he, you're going to die in your sins. But watch what he says. He says that uh, he's not from this earth. I am not, verse 23, of this world. I am not of this world. I've used this illustration before, but it's interesting. You know we have some uh, craters in, in Arizona? Have some craters. Um, northern Arizona, there was some, I mean, I think even, what is it? Um, the San Francisco peaks, I think, represent dormant volcanoes. But there's also the cratered 
uh, mountains. We have uh, north of, a little bit north of Flagstaff, uh, the Sunset Crater. Anybody ever been to Sunset Crater? All right. Um, yes, we did go there, Noah. <laughs> You're like, what? We, Sunset Crater. And then you go a little bit south and east, go down east on I-40 and then south of it a little bit. So you'll go about 50 miles. And um, you have the Meteor Crater. So there's, and I'm sure there's other ones, but those are kind of the ones that make it on the map and get pe they, people visit quite a bit. Sunset Crater, Meteor Crater. Both, how many have been to Meteor Crater? Raise your hand. Meteor Crater, okay. All right, so you've been to both. They both have a mark. You're like, look at that. The difference between Sunset Crater and Meteor Crater is exactly what Jesus is saying. Um, Sunset Crater is a uh, volcanic crater from beneath. Meteor Crater is an impact crater that, that was made, in a sense, from above. Jesus says, you're from beneath. I'm unique. <laughs> I'm from above. That's the difference between those craters. And Jesus, and that's what, that's, what these guys are, that's what these guys are realizing. Wait a minute. He's not just, any, he's not just uh, any mountain here. He's not just any person. This is a unique person that came from heaven itself. And then it says, and he starts talking about the Father. Then it says, then they believed on him. So in order for a person to be a disciple, they need to have true faith. And faith that's in the context of, oh, I need to deal with my sins. And Jesus is God's answer from above in dealing with my sins. So what I'm bringing us to is in this passage, here you have a person who's genuinely trusting Jesus as their Savior, a handful of them. And now, so now you see, first you see this thing of um, that before true discipleship, there must be true belief. Now it comes to the central thought. After belief, there needs to be true discipleship. A believer needs to become a learner and a disciple and follow on as we read. Let me just ask some questions and then we'll hit some other points and maybe pick this up another time. Let's all ask ourselves, am I interested in anything else Jesus has to say to me besides how to be saved? Am I interested in anything Jesus has to say to me outside of salvation? Ask yourself this. Is there any effort that I put in continuing in his word? Is there any effort I put in continuing in his word? Ask yourself this third question. Is there any willingness to follow his next word? Is there any willingness in my life to follow? What's Jesus' next word to me besides getting saved? If I have that desire and I have that willingness, then I'm poised to be a disciple indeed. Because that's what he says. If you continue, then are you my disciples indeed? Let's look at, a, um, let's ask ourselves this. Um, what am I really? What am I really? Am I, am I a disciple indeed? Or am I just a Baptist? <laughs> you might be a Baptist disciple or a Baptist not disciple. Jesus said, if you continue in my word. Now, what, look at the word again, 
Verse 32, if you continue in my word, okay, your word, all right. Okay, here we are in John chapter 8. Okay, we've been traveling with Jesus through the book of John. He came to chapter 8. He's very gracious to the woman at the well. These other, or the, the, not the woman taken in adultery. And then he has this conversation with all these Jews, and some of them finally believe. And he tells them, hey, if you continue my word, you're going to be the real disciples, not just in name only, but in deed, if you keep going on in my word. So here's a good question. What word does he have next in the rest of the book? Are there words? In, what I mean, there's a lot of words, but is there a particular... Oh, now he's talking about this. Oh, now he's talking about this. Oh, now he's talking about this to believers. What particular word do I need to continue in that would stand out as a mark of a true disciple? At least in the book of John. I see some things. Let me just share some of this with you. I see some outstanding, I see some words that stand out as marks of true discipleship as you continue on in this book. One of the first ones is right here in this chapter. One of the first things Jesus says, number one, is uh, go and sin no more. I love this story. John 8. One of the first things he said, this is beautiful. John 8, 11 would fix a lot of things. John 8, 11 would fix a lot of things on the right in Christianity and a lot of things on the left in Christianity. This woman was a true adulteress. She was caught. She was taken. She was exposed. Jesus embarrassed all the men who tried to expose her because of their own issues. And she, she gets up. I love this story. Verse 10, Jesus lifted up himself after ignoring the other guys. He doesn't see any other people but the woman. Verse 10, he says, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Look at verse 11. She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Again, this is a passage where Jesus dealt with a lady. She knew she's busted in her sin. Jesus shows grace in basically... It's such a unique way getting all the accusers out of the way. It's just her, the guilty sinner. He who had the keys of uh, justice to exert on her. And he gets up, he says, where are all the accusers at? Did anybody condemn thee? No, nobody's condemned me. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I think you can see salvation. And then you see what we call sanctification in one full sentence there. You know what God says to us when we realize that, that we've blundered? Maybe not as bad as a woman here taking an adultery, but we've blundered in other areas and we're just pathetic sinners. And we realize that Jesus is my answer. And when we trust in Jesus, you know what he says to us? I don't condemn you anymore. I took your condemnation. Isn't that right? Jesus took our condemnation. So he says, I don't condemn you. You've been humbled in faith and putting your trust in me. I don't condemn you. You're saved. Aren't you glad we're not condemned? I mean, if you're saved, you're not condemned. If you haven't trusted him, you're still in your sins and you're under condemnation. You're under it. But in Romans 8, after describing how to be saved throughout the book, Paul says, there's now therefore no condemnation. To them who are in Christ Jesus, if you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. If you're no Christ, but you're outside of Him, there's condemnation. But to those in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Woo! That was that lady. There's no condemnation. But it's not over. 
Great, there's no country, happy. Woo, free at last, whatever, you know. But wait, he says, now go. He didn't say go and just keep what, what you're doing. He says what Paul basically teaches in the book of Romans chapter 6. Go now and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Does it not make it easier, more uh, uh, helpful to move on and actually not be diving back into my sins when I realize I'm already accepted? I'm already completely forgiven. Yeah, all right, I don't need the chains of that sin anymore. I don't need that. I got a new master. Jesus tells this woman, go and sin no more. Here's the word. A mark of a true disciple is that they, they see and they accept the statement, go and sin no more. Look at verse 34 and, 30, uh, 34 and 36 to 36. These are the guys who are fussing with Jesus who never really believed. Jesus answered them, Verily I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever. He gets spit out. But the son abideth ever. Verse 36. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. One of the things about, one of the things about like, okay, so when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we get forgiven of our sins. It doesn't mean we don't struggle again, but we get forgiven. And he gives us the power and he gives us the, the mentality and the reckoning in our mind to help us be free from it. Like, I don't have to do this. I don't have to be going back to this master, this slave master, these chains. I don't have to. I can be free. I can be free. And he gives me the strength to be free. It doesn't mean that that old sin master doesn't call you, get over here, get over here. You say, well, you're not my master anymore. I got a new master. You're my old boss, remember? I, I quit. You're my old boss. Quit calling me. I'm not on your roll anymore. I got a new master. And you can be free indeed. And that's the concept. Paul explains it in Romans 6. So what are we talking about? Jesus has these men believe. He says, gentlemen or people, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. What's one of his first words to a new believer? You're forgiven. Go sin no more. Be different. Be different. We're getting a gospel that says, "Get your you, God loves you, and none can and, and just go and liberty, and do whatever you want." It, give, it gives too much that impression that we do have liberty, and we have to define these terms. I have liberty because of what? Liberty, and I have. I should. I should go happily because of what? Because he took all that wrath that sin deserves, and I don't have to have it. And now I'm like, Phew. all right. Jesus is talking about, you want to be a disciple indeed? So his word was go and sin no more. Number two, we'll go through a few more here. Wash one another's feet. You know what he teaches a disciple? Here, I got another word for you guys to continue in. I got another word for you guys. He washes Peter's feet, washes the disciples' feet, and he stands up. He says, now what I've done, you guys do that. Yep. That's my next word. You want to keep doing my disciples? Then wash one another's feet. That means do humble acts of service to each other. Uh, John 13. John 13, uh, 13 to 15. This is, to, this is the next word that a disciple, a believer, should continue in. Verse 14, 
If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do, even as I have done to you. Isn't that what a disciple would be? Yeah. A disciple is what? They follow a master, but he's going, okay, what's he doing? Okay, let's copy that. Okay, let's copy that. Master, disciple, master, disciple. The disciple copies the master. And Jesus said, see what I did? I just washed your feet. I just did this humble act of service. And I'm your Lord and master. If I had done that, then you ought to follow me and wash one another's feet. Do humble acts of service. And this church has been characterized by that. And I am so encouraged by so many believers I've known in this little church who've washed people's feet, did humble acts of service, things that nobody else would other know, uh, otherwise do, or help in the church, help outside the church, help when nobody else is seeing, visit, call, give, whatever, acts of service, or in your own home, literally washing somebody's feet, besides your little snotty-nosed brat, kid, you know, maybe somebody else, you know. Jesus is saying disciples do that stuff. Number three, love one another. He says that. That was another word to disciples. We could make a bunch of messages out of this. Love one another. That's what disciples do. Chapter 13. This is the new commandment. Verse 34. I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one toward another. Ah, they're going to see... Jesus said, the world's going to look back and like, yeah, they call themselves Christians. Ah, they're theological. Oh, they got this Bible. Ah, they go to church. Oh, wait a minute. That guy, has, I met that guy. That guy's, man, he's, he's kind to me. And then I saw that guy, how he treats his other Christian people in his church. That guy's really loving. I think that is a real thing. I think that is a real disciple. Jesus saying, this is how people know you're my disciples if you, if you have love. One to another, marks of a disciple. What's the marks of a disciple? What word should we continue in? Continue in the word of go and sin no more. Continue in the word of wash one another's feet. Continue in the word that says love one another. We can make a whole bunch of messages out of John 15. Jesus says, abide in me. John 15, Jesus, the next thing he really gets into by way of commandment, he says, look, I'm, a, I'm the vine. I'm this vine that produces fruit. You're the branches off the vine. And you need to stay attached to me. Abide in me. Abide in me. Stay attached to me. Stay attached to me. That's how you're going to have a vibrant life. Abiding means, means to live with constant dependence on Jesus. Constant dependence on Jesus as a vine. A real disciple leaves church today dependent on Jesus, just as if you're just maybe you're just as much as you would be dependent on Jesus, maybe listening today in a certain faith way. You go, I'm still depending on Jesus. When I get in my car, when I go home, when I sleep, when I got a lot of money or not a little bit of money, I'm, I'm abiding in Him. I'm staying attached to Him. A real disciple stays attached and they abide. That's Jesus' word. Number five, He says, let the Holy Spirit guide you. He teaches that in four chap three chapters, 14, 15, 16. He talks about the guiding of the Holy Spirit. A real disciple has the Holy Spirit to guide us and show us. Number six, a real a disciple, another word Jesus gave to the disciples was ask. Ask in my name. Ask for things in my name. Pray in my name. That's chapter 16, verse 23 and 24. People, you believed? If you continue my word, you're a disciple indeed. These are the things that I can help you do. Last of all, number seven, go as Jesus was sent. Be, uh, make your life mission the same as Jesus' life mission, to seek and to save. Chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus shows up, talks to His disciples after His resurrection. He says, As my Father sent me into the world, so send I you. 
Why did Jesus come into the world? Say it. To seek and to save. My Father sent me here for that. All right, and I just went through the cross and I'm resurrected. Now, guys, listen. Just like my Father sent me into the world, John 20, verse 21, so send I you. Go seek and save. They don't save. Give the gospel message which saves. That's a word to the disciples. So many things. I mean, I'm just trying to help us see that. I'm just trying to help us see like um, that I need to constantly think, what is Jesus teaching me? And I want to constantly be his disciple and not just be a, a person who hears, not just be a person who's auditing Jesus' teaching at church or auditing it with my cool little uh, devotional thing I read every now and then. And, and I'm just... But I'm really, or, or even just kind of informing myself, but I'm really attached to him. I'm in class. I'm following. I'm doing the homework, so to speak. And I know I'm sounding very academic, but those are somewhat the terms Jesus says, following, being my disciple. Are you a disciple indeed? That's what we have to be. Think about this, and we're going to close. I was thinking about two thoughts here. I was thinking about we got these guys that are leaving. We got some young people growing up, and they're probably thinking, I gotta be something. I gotta be a mechanic. Or maybe I need to be a doctor. Or maybe I need to be a lawyer. Or maybe I need to be a gamer and make a lot of money. Just kidding. Don't be that. Um, you start thinking, in this day and age, what are people gonna be? I mean, you look at like careers. If you were younger, some of us that are older, if we we're younger again, like what would I be? If I were to do it again, you see medical, kind of the medical um, field changing in some ways good, some ways not. But, and then you see the typical person that, <laughs> that maybe is an office worker might be really detached and then they're home by themselves, helping as a, you know, working from home. And you're like, I don't know if I'd want to do that. Distance work. Um, there's all these different kind of things. You think, what am I going to be? Am I going to be um, an engineer? Uh, what would I be in light of this day and age? And, and there's, there's a bunch of different choices. And then you think about, listen, how the, think about this, how the world is now. It's so, um, what am I going to be as a Christian? in light of how things are, in light of growing hostility in all of our politics and in the godless things that are being pushed on us and advocated and thrown across our face on news. What am I going to be in light of the confusion of people that people have about truth and about the gospel and about identity, gender and all that stuff? What am I going to be in light of people making fun of Christians and lying about them, labeling them, what am I going to be? And the choice of what you're going to be over here in a career is important, but it's not nearly as important as this one. What am I going to be as a Christian? And the choice is, am I going to be a disciple in convenience? Am I going to be a disciple indeed in every moment? This one's what's going to matter the most in the long run. Am I going to be a real, the real thing for Jesus? That's your choice. That's our choice today. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you uh, are who you are. Thank you for all that you did for us. And thank you for letting us just consider the, 
this thought. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here today and friends. And, and please make me, even though I have the privilege of being a pastor and all that, make me constantly a disciple indeed. And I pray for others in here that have believed and trusted you, but they need to continue in your word and grow on and move on and say, Lord, what's the next word? What's the next thing for me? And embrace that and not shrink from it. I pray for us today that you'll develop that truth and that we will become what you challenge this group to be. True disciples for your glory. It's ever more needed in this dark day. Please give your blessing now as we respond in prayer and and thought here in these moments. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Just take a few moments to pray. Maybe you need to make a commitment to the Lord. Lord, I want to be that. I want to be your disciple. I want to go on. I want to continue in your word. One of those points pastor said is what I need. I want to embrace that word and grow in it. Or something else maybe the Holy Spirit spoke to you about. Make a commitment. Make a prayer to the Lord. In just a few moments, we'll close.